Acts chapter 5, <clears throat> on the tail end of what was a, a week of coughing, so bear with me. Um, if the voice sounds like sandpaper, apologies, do the best we can to get through it. <coughs> Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, look if you would at verse number 1. I want to talk to you about, uh, I've never, never preached specifically on this passage, and I think one of the things that marks our generation is I want the best deal I can get, I just don't want to have to pay for it. Like, I, I want the greatest value, but I don't want to pay the price. I want to date a beautiful girl, but I don't want to talk to her dad. Preach, preach, right? Like, I... What, you fill in the blank. Whatever it is that you esteem as valuable, understand there's a price associated with that value. And, and I, I think you need to understand this. If you're here, especially if you're visiting, salvation costs us nothing. Amen. It is a free gift. Eternal life is a free gift from God to be received by us. But let me just say this. Even though it's free for us, he paid for it. And so there's this great thing that we go, man, this is the greatest thing I've got in my life. And I got it as a free gift. I didn't join the church. I, I, I didn't get baptized for it. I didn't pay money for it. I just came to God as a sinner and I received the grace of God. I received the fact that Jesus Christ died for my sins and was buried. And thank God it didn't stop there. He rose again. And because he did that, and he said, if I accept that by faith, I can be his child. And you know what? That's 100% right. And it doesn't cost you anything. But if you want to be a Christian, and you want to know what real Christianity is about, you are not going to work your way into heaven. But I will say this. If you want to follow Jesus, be a disciple, a real follower of Christ, that's going to cost you. It doesn't cost you as far as salvation goes, but it's going to cost you. And the problem comes in when we want something of great value, but we're not willing to pay for it. Look at Acts chapter 5, look if you would at verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to what? Lie. To who? Pretty, pretty serious charge. Now, now, watch what's connected with lying to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land. Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? That was not light unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all of them that heard these things. I guess they would, right? And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. I mean, what kind of ministry is that in a local church? <laughs> I, I need some young guys. Yeah, what do you need us for? Um, bury this dude. Well, what did he do? Well, he lied about his offering, <laughs> you know? I, I mean, just, it's wild stuff. The young men arose, wound him up, carried him out, and buried him. And about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. That's where your wife's like, why didn't you text me? I couldn't. I was dead. <laughs> Can you imagine when they meet up in heaven again later? I mean, that's the truth, right? They're saved. You're not in a church that thinks that saved people don't mess up. We still mess up. And, and, and these people are saved, and they messed up. And so you know what that means? If they're saved, you know what happens? They went to heaven after they die. So I can just imagine what that reunion moment would have been like. You're like, well, you didn't tell him? Well, you told me not to tell him. I mean, just, I can just imagine. Look at verse number uh, uh, seven, verse eight. And Peter answered unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yea, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried their husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost, and the young, the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband, 
And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Uh, Brother uh, Steon, if you'd ask the Lord's blessing on the message. Amen. Be seated if you would. Now, I want to make this very clear. If you're not familiar with this passage and maybe you're visiting with us especially, I, I don't want you to understand. What I don't want you to do is take away from this that these people died because God is hard up for money and he didn't get enough money out of them. All right. That is not the moral of the story. You are not in a name it and claim it church. We don't believe that we become uh, wealthy by, by giving. Uh, if God blesses us, praise God for that. But I can tell you this, the apostle Paul died without money, died without pension, died without life insurance, died without friends, died by himself. And he wrote half the New Testament. Your money is not a sign of your spirituality. All right, so that's not the moral of the story. It is not so much that God needed more from them. It was more so that they had said that they had brought something that they didn't actually bring. What they did, the problem wasn't the money. The problem was that they lied, and they didn't just lie to themselves. They lied to the church. They lied, most importantly, to God. And you need to get a hold of this. God's issue is not so much with the money as much as the fact that they lied. And you need to get a hold of this as well. The reason they lied is because they had lied about what they were giving God. And Christian, the Bible says you are to present your body a living sacrifice unto God. If you're not saved yet, God doesn't require that of you. But if you're saved, you're a born-again child of God. Your body is God's temple. You are not your own. It's my life. I'll do with it whatever I want. And you know what? You're half right and you're half wrong. It is your life. And you can do with it whatever you want because God will not impose his will on your free will. But I'm going to tell you right now, you as a child of God have an opportunity to say, God, here's my kids. Here's my life. Here's my job. Here's my plans. Here's my dreams. And when you come to church and you come to God and you say, God, here's everything. And you know that that is not the truth and you're not giving God everything. You've got some in your back pocket because you don't trust him with it. That's when you're lying to the Holy Ghost. And that's the problem that God has. It is not so much that God is hard up for resources as much as it is this. You aren't being honest with yourself or with God about what it takes to live the Christian life. We live in a generation, especially in America, where Christianity is a Sunday morning thing. It's something that we go to. It's not something that you go to, Christian. It's supposed to be something that you are, that consumes all of you. You go, oh, I don't want to be a Jesus freak. I don't want to be a weirdo. Listen, what the world calls a Jesus freak, the Bible calls Christianity. The world's going to look at you for following Jesus Christ any amount at all for being strange. You might as well do it all the way. This whole in halfway and out halfway. And you know what I've learned about Christians? When they want to get out of church and they want to quit walking with God, it takes very little to blow them in that direction. It takes very little to offend them. The real issue is not that someone offended you. The real issue is that you got one foot in and you got one foot out. And you think you're living the Christian life and what you're doing is you're playing games and you're playing games with God and your own conscience. And you're lying to yourself. The most dangerous kind of lies, not the one that Eric tells me or, or that Tim tells me, it's the one that Adrian tells Adrian. That's the most dangerous kind of lie. The reason that God dealt with it so severely wasn't about the offering. That's kind of a side tangent. It was about the fact that they lied to God and they were coming to church and assembling with believers, acting one way, when in reality things were very different. James says it this way, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. You know why God hates lying? Because it's an attack on his character. See, you don't see it that way. We, we think it like this. Like, well, it's just a little white lie. 
It's not that big of a deal, and I'm not really hurting anybody. I mean, listen, think about all the lies I could have, that Ananias and Sapphira would have told themselves, nobody has to know. It's our little secret. I can do with it whatever I want. As long as it looks good on the outside, that's all that matters. These are the things that they told themselves that got them in the place that they landed. Just as saved as you and me. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Come with me real quick. You're, you're pretty close. Ephesians chapter 4. Let, let, let me just say this. If you're here and you're not sure what it means to be born again, you might go, well, man, if the Christian life is supposed to be sold out, I don't want to be a Christian. Let me help you out a little bit, all right? You don't have to sell out to, 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 to be saved. You know what it takes to be saved? Realizing you're a sinner, you deserve hell. And you go, I can't believe God, a loving God would send... I, I get, after a while, it's like the same mantra. I can't believe a loving God would send anyone to hell. I can't believe a loving God would send anyone... And you hear this over and over, and after a while, it's kind of like, I, I can't anymore. A loving God doesn't send you there. He allows you to follow what you want. And if you reject his son, Jesus Christ, look, man, if the creator of the universe goes out of his way to allow his son to be born in a stable, ridiculed his whole life for being a bastard and, not, and born out of wedlock when that wasn't true, and he's actually the son of God, and he can raise the dead and clean the, 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 the lepers and heal the sick and give sight to the blind and all these things, and then he dies for your sins and is buried and rises three days later, and you reject that, that's not his fault. He's not sending you to hell. You're going <laughs> because you decided you were better than Jesus Christ. You go, oh, preacher, I don't believe you. It has to be all that absolute. You know, is it absolutism versus relativism? A hundred percent, yes. It is either this or just decide whatever you want. It's all the same. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you think your way is better than Jesus Christ, you have no foot, no leg to stand on when you say Adolf Hitler is wrong, the KKK is wrong, this group is wrong, that group is wrong. Why? Because everyone's just doing what they think is right. If there are no absolutes. When Mao Zedong kills millions of his people in China, when Joseph Stalin kills millions of his own Russian people over there in Russia, when, when Hitler does what he does, they're just doing what they think is right. Who are you to judge if there is no absolute right and wrong? There is absolute right and wrong. His name is God. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so you as a believer understand this. Not only does this relate to lost people, if you're lost without Christ, you need to come to him and get saved today. But believer, I'm going to say this right now. You as a child of God need to understand that when you lie, you're not just saying a lie. You are speaking against the character of God because he is truth. And I want you to understand this. Lying is just a natural byproduct of walking in the flesh. When I walk in the flesh, I, don't, listen, I never have to think, okay, Adrian, be selfish. Okay, be selfish. Love yourself more, Adrian. Love yourself more. Be selfish and, and think of you first. I naturally do that. Right. I, you know, I have to be told, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Amen. Why? Well, because, you know, when you're in the dating phase, you know, in the early marriage phase, in the honeymoon phase, you know, and that kind of thing, you know, she can do no wrong. And then eventually it's like, well, you know, she's brought this thing up like five times. Hey, man, can you just kind of back off, lady? You know, what is this lady stuff? I thought I am your wife. What do you mean, lady? You know, well, I didn't mean like that, you know, and what did you, you know, I remember five years ago, you said this, and I know what you meant. And it's like, oh, my God, what's going on right now? And, and then before you know it, boom. And, I, and you know what I'm thinking? I'm right. She's wrong. And that's all that matters. And God goes, is it? I have to be told to put her first. Why? Because that's not natural. You know, you complete me. Whatever. <laughs> These movies that make you feel like, you know, we're always going to be. They always show the, end, the scene at the end of Hallmark, you know. It's, it, okay, halfway through the movie. Ring, 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 ring. <laughs> Dog barks. It's like when you're going to witness someone at their door, you know. You know, and then at the end of the movie, they kiss and they live happily ever after. Yeah, what happens after that? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody ever ask those questions? I can tell you this. They don't stay there for 25 years. <laughs> there's kids, and there's the job, and then there's this thing that broke down. And I thought I asked you to take care of that five months ago. I did, but I didn't have the money because we've been spending on this. Well, why didn't you tell me? I thought I did tell you. You tell me nothing. You never tell me anything. Never anything? Are you sure? No, 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 no. Can I get a witness? All right, so you know, what that, you know what I have to learn to do? I have to think, well, you know what? The way that I'm wired in the flesh is I want to do what I want to do, and I want me first. 
It's natural. And tr- trust me, go back to the nursery. Go back to, you know, you, some of you men that have never been back, you know, go in and put your hazmat suit on, whatever, you know. Go in there and watch what happens. I can tell you this is not what's going on. Oh, you wanted this toy? Okay. No. You know what's going on back there? <laughs> mine. Before they can say anything else, it's mine. Yeah. No. You know, you know. I mean, it's like it's like Fight Club in there sometimes. You know, <laughs> gouging each other out. You know, uh, you don't know. Cause some of you, some of you don't know because you're not you're not brave enough to go back there. But these <laughs> ladies know. You know what they have to be taught? Say please. Yes. Say thank you. I love it when some idiot. Uh, sorry, okay, no, 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 no person that maybe is a little ignorant when it comes to spiritual reality says this, man is intrinsically good. Really? Leave your door unlocked. Ladies, walk downtown Denver without any protection or looking over your shoulder. Man's intrinsically good. Where'd you get that idea from? From the last 6,000 years we've been killing each other and and raping and torture and all that. You you think man's intrinsic? Oh, but there's also the good side. The only good side of man is when man goes out of his way to emulate the character of God. Not himself, all right? You know, it's, it's like when a, when a young lady says, they're just, you know, there are no good guys anymore. Well, you're right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There are some good ones. There are some good ones, all right? All right? But, but you look at the world and the direction it's going, and you know what everyone's saying? Oh, man, we're just getting better and better. You are ignoring reality. It's like, it's like you're in an insane asylum run by the inmates, and everyone just keeps saying the same thing. And I'm going, the emperor has no clothes. What are you guys talking about? Like, like this is the, the problem with human nature is human nature. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Look, if you would, at verse 24. Now, this is to Christians. Christian, this is you, in that you put on the new man. Who's the new man? It's Christ. It's Jesus Christ. Once you're saved, the Lord goes, I'm going to give you a new nature. Here's the problem. I don't completely get rid of all of your old nature, so it's still there. And so there's this battle that goes on. The Lord's like, look, look, I'll just say it like this. Uh, For those that put on clean clothes, took a shower, put on deodorant and all that, thank you. Thank you. I mean that. I'm not kidding. It's a blessing to come to church with people that care about hygiene. You know how you know? Well, go to places where they don't. You go, well, thank you. Appreciate it. So you know what he says? Hey, look, what you've been wearing is old. See, some of you, when it comes to fashion, you're like, oh, that's so last year. <laughs> and you know what you're doing? Some of you are wearing the same spiritual clothes for the last 30, 40 years. And, and, and the Lord says, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, Watch the connection between putting on the new man and what he says in verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man what? With his neighbor, for we are members one of another. In other words, if you don't put on the new man, the natural byproduct is for you just to live a lie. It's for you to do your own thing. And apart from God, there is no truth. And even as a saved person, when you're walking in your own steps, deciding your own decisions, making your own choices, and God is divorced from that, what you're saying is, I want Christianity, but I don't want to pay full full price for it. And you're lying to yourself because you can't have it. You know, that's one one of the manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit is faith. You know what faith is? It's the opposite of a lie. It's bearing witness to the truth. So God, God shows up after man sins, and what does man do? He, he runs in the garden. He hides himself. You know how dumb that is? It's the creator of the universe. He's all-seeing. He's all-knowing. What do you do? You hide behind a tree, the tree that he made, with the leaves that he made that you cut off and sewed into an apron around you. Like, you're lying to yourself, dude. You're, you're, you're looking at this going, well, he doesn't see me now. Yeah, he does. Well, why did he do that? Because first he lied to himself about what he was doing before he ever got to that point. Sarah laughs. Remember when God shows up over there in Genesis 18? I, I got to admit, yeah, we're kind of hard sometimes on the Old Testament characters. You know, Sarah's like 90 years old or whatever, and she's up there and up in years, and, 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 and God, you know, shows up and says, you're going to have a baby, and you know what she does? <laughs> <laughs> you know, she laughs. 
And what's really funny is in Genesis 18, uh, the Lord says, why did you laugh? And she goes, I didn't laugh. He goes, yeah, you did. <laughs> Talk about a weird conversation. Like, it's one thing when someone's like, you know, we skirt around like, oh, I thought, you know, I thought it hurt. If it was me, like just a man, I'd be like, were you laughing? Oh, no. Oh, sorry. I just thought I, I thought I heard laugh. The Lord's just like, yeah, you did. <laughs> you know, just called her right out. Now, when, now, you know what she did? She lied when she was afraid. Mm-hmm. You know what people do when they're walking in fear? They lie to preserve self. And you know what you do sometimes as a Christian is you lie to preserve your own self without realizing what you're actually doing is you're taking the the life that God wants you to live as a Christian, the real Christian life, and you're discarding that and you're holding on to the temporary. Abraham's afraid when he goes to Egypt. So he tells him, don't tell him you're my wife. (laughs) If you like me, like me and my wife running through like a bad part of town, like, okay, if anyone like attacks you, you're my sister, okay? The worst part is she's like, okay. <laughs> what do people do when they're, when they're under pressure? They lie. Why? It's, it's a manifestation of walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. And, and Peter, are you one of the disciples? Nope. Never seen the guy. Don't know him. Are you sure? I thought we saw you. Blankety blank, 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 blank. Why do you lie? walking in the flesh. You know what the Bible says? Buy the truth, buy it. Buy it. Buy the truth and sell it not. I, I've learned this. Telling the truth, living the truth is going to cost you. Living a lie will cost you. Now, now, the difference is this. Lies are discounted up front, but they charge interest later. Truth is costly up front, but you can live in freedom after it. You, you see, when you, when you as a, if you're here and you're lost without Christ, you go, I'm a good person. I don't need Jesus. I don't need any, I don't need this. I don't know what this guy's yelling about. I, if I die, I'll just go to heaven. And I, you're lying to yourself. If you're, if you're living without Jesus Christ and you are not placing your, I can't believe that I'm going to come to a church. How dare you? Look, look, if your house is on fire and I walk by and said, man, that sucks. And I knew you were inside of it. You know, you call me a monster. And here I am telling you, hey, your house is on fire. And your answer is, I don't like the way you said it. Yeah. Well, your house is on fire. Amen. Would you, hey, no, don't know if you're sleeping up there. <laughs> the flames are engulfing you probably by now, but I don't want to be offensive. Yeah. The reality is this, spiritually, it's, it's like gravity, right? With an outside force, science, science. <laughs> Believe it, trust it. With an outside force, I can hold this up, right? If I don't, if I don't have something to catch, by, gravity by nature, it's going to pull you down unless there's an outside force that's willing to pick you up. Amen. And man, if you die without Christ, you go down, then you go down further. And you know what he's saying? I don't want you to do that. Don't live a lie. Don't believe a lie. There are not multiple ways to heaven. There's one. I love it when someone goes, well, how come your way is better? I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Not because of me. No, 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 no. No, no, I don't have anything to do with it. I'll tell you why my way is better. Not because I think, I did it my... No, 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 none of that junk. You know, you know why my way is better? Because my Savior died and rose again three days later. Yeah. I don't know anyone else that did that. Look, if, if you could die, if you... Listen, if someone came to me after church, you go, I'm going to die. I'm going to lay down my life. And three days later, I'm going to come back. If it actually happened, I don't, you know, I'd be like, oh, let's talk. I'd be willing to listen to whatever you had to say. Why would you reject Jesus Christ? Christian, can I say this? Maybe you're saved, but you're kind of living a lie. You say, oh, no, no, preacher, that's not me. You know what a half-truth is? Okay, so your kid does something they shouldn't do. Parents, you with me? And you know they broke something. And you go, hey, did, did you, did you, did you break this? And I go, uh, I ran past it, <laughs> and it's broken. <laughs> You're like, yeah, so about that, I think you might, oh, uh, you know what that was at, at the beginning? It was a half-truth. 
Christian, let me tell you, one of the most dangerous lies are the ones that contain a little bit of truth in there. Others can deceive you for sure. False prophets can deceive us. There's no, no, no doubt about that. But the Bible says that you can deceive yourself by not being a doer of the word. I read this. Above all, don't lie to yourself. The man who lies to himself and listens to his own lie comes to a point that he cannot distinguish the truth within him or around him and so loses all respect for himself and for others. The human mind has an infinite capacity for self-deception. Leonardo da Vinci said this. Uh, Leonardo, not the Ninja Turtle, the artist, all right? He said, the greatest deception that men suffer from is from their own opinions. David Livingston, great missionary to Africa, said self-deception helps us deceive. You know, the, the greatest lies are perpetrated first from within someone's soul. And Christian, let me just say this much. You as a child of God, you have the way, the truth, and the life living inside of you. When you choose to take that truth and discard that truth, what you're saying is, I know I'm a child of God. I know I'm saved, but I'll do it my own way. I'll get whatever I want in the Christian life. I'll live the Christian life, but I'll do it my way. And I'm telling you what you're doing is you're lying to yourself about what it takes to live the Christian life, not what it takes to be saved. Boy, isn't that amazing? It's just a moment in time you can be saved. All your sins washed away like that. And then once you get saved, you're a newborn baby and life starts over, you know? And there's this new journey. And as you're on that new journey, that's when you decide daily, am I gonna live according to his truth? See, some of you think lies are only things that you say. They're things that you do. The, the, the Lord says, your body is my temple. The Lord says, you present yourself as a living sacrifice unto me. And you go, well, I, I did it on Sunday. That's good enough. And you know what that is? That's a lie. By the way, I'm, I'm thankful to have a full church and have all of you here. I sincerely mean that, every single one of you. And if I didn't get a chance to shake your hand and say, thanks, thanks for coming. Thank you for coming today. But I'll just say this much. Me aside, understand you're not doing God a favor by coming. If you never came to church, God would still be God. And if you don't get saved, God will still be God. And if you don't decide to live the Christian life, God will still be God, and there'll be others that reap the rewards of paying the price now that you're not willing to make. I think to make the most sense of this, you've got to go back to chapter 4. Look at Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, you say, what happened? One of the greatest displays of Christianity in a community was expressed in Acts 4. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 31. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Can I say that speaking the word of God with boldness, that comes with a price tag. You may not realize it, but later on in chapter 5, Peter is thrown into jail for doing that exact thing. You understand that what you're watching here in this great manifestation of God's power on that early Christian community, what that was is it was their way of saying, we are willing to pay the price. And the multitude of them that were believed were of one heart and of one soul. Why? I'm willing to lose myself for the cause of Christ. It's not all about me and my agenda. It's about God's work in God's people and not all about me. This is the price that's being paid in Acts 4. And the whole community looks at it and goes, man, look at that. That is amazing. Maybe we should check that out. Look, if you would, at verse 35, verse 34, neither... Was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the, brought the what? Of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made on every man according to he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, great name, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. I am thankful, listen to me, I'm thankful for chapter and verse markings in the Bible but understand that when this was given, they didn't have chapter 4, chapter 5. I'm thankful for it, not taking away from it. But understand, sometimes we forget because of those chapter markings that this entire story runs and starts in chapter 4 and goes through chapter 5. How do you know that? Look at the first word in chapter 5. It's almost like, look at all this great stuff that's going on, but these two 
you know, nimwits came up with this idea. And what they did is they said, you know what? We can just fake it on the outside. Listen, God didn't need their stuff. That was what Peter's trying to get across. Why didn't you just come and say, look, we kept half of it for ourselves. He would have said, praise the Lord. Let's take whatever you give for God. We'll use it and use it for his glory. The problem was they said, here it is, and here's everything. You know the problem is with a Christian that comes to church on Sunday and says, God, here I am. I'm giving you my all, and you're lying to yourself. Here's the problem. After you say it so many times, you start believing it. And when the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you about sin in your life and dealing with about where he wants to take you, you go, nope, I'm good. Nope, I'm good. You have hardened your heart. And some of you refuse to go to an old-fashioned altar and get right with God. And you're waiting. You know what you're doing? You're waiting for someone to get in your face. I'm not going to get in your face. If you don't listen to God, I'm not going to get in your face. Why would I do that? That's between you and God. But man, I'm telling you, the much better thing to do is for you to go, Lord, here I am. I'm yours. I'm his, and he's mine. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't give you half of himself? Aren't you glad he didn't say, well, you're saved, maybe? (laughs) You know, you ever watch kids make deals with each other? I remember, just to this day, I still remember telling my brother that, like, you know, the nickel is more money because it's bigger than the dime. (laughs) All right, anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, some of you are like, guilty as charged, right? I remember doing this. What is that? Just the way that we deal with it, that's human nature. And the Lord goes, hey, let's get, let's get put that away and let's put on the new man and let's deal with the realities. You say that you're for me. What about your friends? You say that you're for me. When your family tells you it's us or God, you choose them. What about that? You say it's, it, 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 you're all about me. When it comes to truth preached from the pulpit, you like it until it rubs you the wrong way, then you gossip about it and you have a problem with it. What's all, what's all that about? You, you say that you're for me and you take these different directions in your life that do not match the words that are coming out of your mouth. You know, a disciple is someone that's disciplined. Discipline is not always easy. Discipline is what allows you to work now to reap the rewards later. I remember when I was a kid, um, Walmart, before it was like, <laughs> people of Walmart, Walmart, you know? Before it was that in the 90s, it was kind of, a, kind of just a relaxed place to go. It was. And I grew up in the 80s and 90s dating myself. I remember going to Walmart, and then outside of Walmart, I don't know if this is still the case, I've been to Walmart in a while, but on the outside of Walmart, they had Coca-Cola vending machines, Mm -hmm. all right? They were 50 cents for a can of soda, Mm -hmm. okay? And then they had Sam's Cola. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I grew up in a family of six. We were not exactly rich, so I liked Sam's Cola. You say, why? Because it was 25 cents. And, and it was okay until I got about halfway through the can. But halfway through the can, there's just alternate taste, and you're just like, this isn't Coke. <laughs> and Christian, I'm telling you, it's okay for now. But someday you're going to stand in front of Jesus Christ. And you're going to see what you missed out on. And you go, man, I, why wasn't I willing to pay that? Man, it, it seems like it was just, your life is here. Tell me, who won the Super Bowl in 1975? Who was the player of the year? Who was the rookie of the year in 1968? Uh, what year did the Cowboys start their, their team? 1960. I knew that one. <laughs> I knew that one. Sorry. All right. All right. All right. Now, now, isn't it right now today? Oh, Taylor Swift might show up today. Oh, my goodness. How many times are they going to show her? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to this this podcast video thing with grown men and they're talking about the Super Bowl. This is for work. And, and he's like, who thinks, Taylor, how many times Taylor Swift going to show? I'm like, oh, who cares? <laughs> and maybe you like her. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend you, but I'm just saying like, my goodness, what, why in the world does this matter? Oh, Usher, I heard Usher's going to do the halftime show. And so they're going around. What's your favorite Usher song? I'm like, ain't got one. <laughs> you know, it's just that awkward moment on the podcast where like, everyone's like this and that. I'm like, man, you guys are like 40-some, 50-year-old men. What is wrong with you? 
I know some like hip hop, whatever. I'm just saying like, like this world looks at, this is the most important thing and this matters so much. And next week they'll forget about it. Right. Someday in your life, you're going to be gone. You're going to wish you had lived truth. Can I say this? Half price Christianity prioritizes how something looks over what it is. Hey, if your goal is to look good in front of other people, mission accomplished. If your goal is to cover things up, done, good. If your goal is to please God, you're missing the mark. You, you see, if their goal was to go, hey, that guy was important. Barnabas, he, everyone noticed that, and they named him by name. I want to be that guy because he got the attention. If that's your goal, knock yourself out, but you will miss out on what God wants for you. I love it when the Old Testament, Saul gets called out for stuff. And, and, I just, I just, I can't, to me, it's, Saul's one of those people that just, I always think about Saul because I see my own nature, human nature, and, and I see it in Saul. Saul doesn't do what God tells him to do. He halfway does it. And, and you know the story, Samuel shows up and the, the sheep are bleeding and all that kind of stuff. They're, they're mad, you know, doing the bond and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and Saul's like, oh, welcome, thou most blessed of the Lord. And Samuel's like, hey, dude, what'd you do? I did what God asked me to. Yeah. And he's like, well, you, you kind of did. You halfway did. And then when he gets called out for it, you know what Saul says? Honor me now. Honor me in front of the elders of the people and let's worship God together. Dude, you're behind closed doors. You, you, like this is the one guy you could like drop this, all this facade stuff with and go, man, I really need God right now. And he's got the preacher right there, and he says, but just, I just want to make sure it looks okay. You see, you can do that. We all have free will. We can do that. Or we can say, God, I am sick and tired of playing games. I want to give you my life. I want it to count for something when I get to the other side. Can I say this? Half-price Christianity is contagious. Some of you guys are worried about COVID, you know, or the next disease, or disease X, you know. You know, I don't know, whatever the next thing is, you know, and I don't know. I'm a kid of the 80s. Nothing scares me, man. <laughs> we drank from water, you know, hoses. Yes. We drank off of other kids. I mean, we were just germ factories, and we didn't care. We didn't wear helmets. <gasps> when we rode bicycles, how irresponsible. It's what happened to head, you know. <laughs> now you know what's gone with the preacher, you know. But you worry about all this stuff, and I might catch it, you know? And a couple years ago, you could be out in a protest somewhere, and everyone's like, yeah, we're good. Millions of people protesting. Yeah, we're all right. Come to church, like, oh, no. Are you six feet apart? <laughs> and, and now, no, don't, some of you are real worried about where this is going. Just, just, just buckle up. If you're worried about my political, it's not going to get in here. This is not about politics, I promise. And you, you, they, they told you, but don't go to church. Make sure you're six feet apart, you know. And then, then later on, the guy comes out, well, we didn't really know that the six feet apart, you just, we just, it was a good rule, but it wasn't really science, you know. And you mean you were like, we're throwing people in jail for not being six feet apart, and it was like not really science. And so what I'm getting at is this. You were worried about the next thing. I might catch it. And you're not worried about your version of Christianity spreading when it's not the right one. Can I point out that Ananias brought his wife along for the trip? Now, ladies, I'm not picking on you, but before you go, I must submit to him whatever he says. Okay, what was that argument about last week? Uh, uh, about, like, what show to watch? Like, do you, like, always just do it, just brainlessly do what he says? No. You have your own thoughts about things. Why didn't she say something? I'll tell you why she didn't say anything. Because when you're conditioned and you're always around something, eventually it becomes how you think. You know, what, you know, what, you know why these young men going out in the street and 
preaching and winning people to Christ and someone, they bring a friend to church and they get saved and you get on fire, you get excited about that and you know, man, that's it, that's the real stuff, that gets me going. Can I say the opposite is also true? When you're around Christians and you're around people who have a fake version of Christianity, it's not real, it costs them nothing, it, there's, no, there's no sacrifice, there's no, Jesus, the old songs, Jesus, I, my cross, have taken all to leave and follow thee. You think we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ next to some Indian saint, some, some brother or sister in Christ in India that was beat to death for their faith in Christ, and you're going to stand and go, but Lord, you know what I went through? They unfriended me. Right. You think that's going to fly? Right, right. Do you understand kind of like our, our version of Christianity, our understanding of what it is to actually live out our faith is very shallow in our culture. And you have to go against the culture and go, I will put your mask on, shoot whatever, whatever, to make sure you don't catch that version of Christianity, all right? You know why? Because it's contagious. Can I tell you what else is contagious? Courage. Remember when Peter says, I go fishing, and they all went? Remember when the Pharisees worked with Judas and he followed? Why? That stuff's contagious, but so is Courage. Uh, you remember the story where Saul's son, Jonathan, goes to his armor bearer and he says, hey, there's some Philistines. You want to go fight them? Yeah, let's go. Do whatever's in thine heart. You know what that was? Courage spreading from one person to another. When you live out the Christian life the right way, it inspires others to do it as well. When you go, I am willing to pay the price. Lord, I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. My family doesn't like me right now. My friends don't like me right now. I'm kind of lonely, but God, I like the way this feels because for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm on your side. Can I say that spreads too? Felix witnesses to Ben. Ben comes to church. Ben gets saved. A couple years later, Ben couldn't be at church because he's training for a job. And at that job, he starts a Bible study and some other guy gets saved. You know what that is? That's contagious. That's a blessing. Look at verse 9 in the passage. You know what it says there? How is it that you have agreed together? You know why when people don't have a good conscience, they want other people to do it with them? Because they... They feel better with, no, with numbers. It, you know what's amazing about that? Uh, uh, there's an old saint, and they said to him, do you not know the whole world's against you? You know what he said? Then I'm against the whole world. Why? Because God's on my side. Can I say this? Christian, look if you would at verse 5. Look at verse 10. Half-price Christianity leads to spiritual apathy and death. Ananias, carry him out and bury him. Sapphire, Carry her out and bury her. The Bible says in Romans 8, for to be carnally minded is death. Do you realize the church and, and the gospel, the sake of the gospel, it's not all about me, it's not all about you. You know that? Too many Christians come to church and they make it all about themselves. Well, I never. Your kid bit my kid in the nursery. You know, someone took my parking spot. Someone sat in my seat. Listen, understand this. This isn't about you. This isn't about me, the preacher. It's about him. <laughs> and the problem with, with this, the, the modern uh, version of Christianity, half-priced Christianity, you know what it is? It's spiritual apathy and death. I don't care. Let me tell you something. It's one thing to say, I don't care. It's another thing to go, I don't care that I don't care. When you find yourself saying, I just, I, I don't care. I don't, I don't weep over lost people. I don't care about the gospel. I don't care about whether I'm giving God what, what's rightfully his. I don't care about any of that. When you find yourself to pump the brakes, Christian, and say, Lord, I'm moving in the wrong direction. Why? At least a death. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> in a graveyard, the greatest news the world ever got came from a graveyard. He is not here for he's risen. Now hold on. The worst news we ever got came from a garden. A perfect garden. You need to understand that, that what the world calls life is death and what the world calls death is really life. Dying to self and going, Lord, I'm here, I'm yours. Look at verse 6. Can I say this? 
half-price Christianity means someone has to pick up your weight. You know what it is? It's selfish. Your life is not your own. You are bought with a price. Anybody ever been at work with someone that doesn't carry their weight? Raise your hand if that's you. Have you ever been there? This is not a trick question. Everyone's like, come on, put them up there. I've been there. All right, I know why you're you're afraid because you know the next question. That's why you didn't raise your hand. The next question is, has you ever been that person that didn't carry their weight at work and someone else had to carry it for you? No one likes the inconvenience of someone not carrying their weight. If you're in a marriage and you're doing and you're trying everything you can and the other partner doesn't care, it's tough. It's a burden. Do you know what happens when you don't care about living the Christian life the right way? Someone's got to carry you around. You're dead weight. You go, that's offensive. I'm not trying to offend you. Someone's got to carry. The weight has to be carried. Sometimes my kids will try to pick me up. You know, they get bigger and you know, Ariana's, Ariana's like, you know, she's a gym bro or whatever, so she tries to look, but just kind of get grounded. Why? You ever play dead with your kids? And like just, I mean, like dead weight. They can't move nothing, man. <laughs> you say, why? Because when it's dead weight, it's just heavy. Like, like the Lord says this, you can choose one of two routes. You can be a living sacrifice and carry the burden I've asked you to carry. Or you can live for yourself in this temporary life and others will carry the burden that you should be carrying. The burden doesn't go away because you're not carrying it. It must be born. People are dying without Jesus Christ, and they're going to hell. Marriages are falling apart. Young men and young women, young men uh, uh, succumbing to addiction, young women to depression and anxiety. We're seeing suicide levels like this in our culture. There's a great work to be done. Just look around us. What weight are you carrying? Or do you just expect someone else to get, you know, the baby, the family? (laughs) Not anymore. He's like, well, I'm not the baby of the family. He isn't anymore. But I can tell you this. When he first came, he sure was. <laughs> and he had the Nana treatment. Anybody know what the Nana treatment is? <laughs> oh, sugar pie, honey bun, what's wrong? <laughs> Preston, you go pick up the ball that your brother done left in the yard. <laughs> and Ethan's just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the baby of the family syndrome. You know what the problem is with God's family? A lot of Christians think they're the only one. Someone else can pick it up. When are you going to pick it up? And close with this thought. Half-priced Christianity does not consider the end. See what do you mean by that? I want to take a real, real quick trip in Proverbs. Look at Proverbs chapter 1. You know, when you consider the end, you live differently right now. You know why crime is going up in certain cities? There's no judgment. I, I've, now, I'm, I'm only, to some of you, only for others, oh my goodness, you're that old. I'm going to be 43 this year. I've lived to see in America what I saw in third world countries that I never thought I'd see here. Okay? And, and part of what you're seeing in society right now is there's no judgment. There's no punishment. So I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. Like, if I think I can go to an Apple uh, store and, and rob 50 phones and get away with it, I'm going to do it. You say, what is that? That's what's going on in our culture right now. Understand this. When people don't consider the end, they live a worse life right now. Yeah. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 29. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 29. The Bible says, for they that hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. You know what that tells me? I've got to choose to think the right way. Look at Proverbs chapter number two. Look, if you would, at verse number five. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You know what I'm telling you? You don't find the knowledge of God without first having the fear of God. Look at Proverbs chapter number nine. You want to live the Christian life the right way? You ought to think about the end. You know what keeps you from going 90 to 55? The, the potential that a state trooper pulls you over. 
Not because you're intrinsically good. You don't want a ticket. You know what ought to get you to think a little bit differently, Christian? The end. Not right now. This is a blip on the radar. Eternity is forever. Consider the end. Proverbs 9, verse number 10. Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Chapter 10, look at verse 27. Proverbs 10, verse 27. For those that are behind their Bible reading, you're welcome. The fear of the Lord does what? You live a longer life, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Look at uh, verse, uh, chapter 14. Go to chapter 14, verse 26. Hopefully you're understanding the importance of thinking about the end. This is what the fear of God is. This is why, and I'm not, I am not in any way, shape, or form trying to pick on him or anything, but this is why when, when Johnny was younger, and Johnny, was, little Johnny, right, would come to church and put his headphones on, put his hoodie on, and sit in the back, I'm not, he's a different man today, all right? I'm not, I'm just saying, the reason he did that is he didn't fear God. And then earlier this, last year, he had some stuff go on in his life, and he goes, man, if the rapture happens, I'm not right with God. You know what sparked inside of him? The fear of God. Why is he going his way to Bible school when just a few short years ago, he's living a very different life? I'll tell you why. The fear of God. Thinking about the end, not just where you're at right now. It's why in January, everybody goes, I got a resolution to lose 20 pounds. And then by the end of the year, you gain 25. <laughs> you know why? Because every day you're doing your thing without thinking about the end. You have no idea where, how to get to this, this, there's this goal. Yeah, I'll live the Christian life someday. Yeah, yeah. You know, and some days just gone. You know what God says to Israel? Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. 2 Corinthians 5, he says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, you persuade men. When Moses slapped that rock, you know what he didn't consider? That would be the end. He would never go in the promised land. When Judas made that deal, he did not see his life ending hanging on a rope. When Aaron made the, fat, the, the golden calf, he didn't think people would die as a result. When, when Balaam went along with Balak, he just thought, maybe I can make some money out of this, but no one's going to get hurt. A lot of people died because of that, and in the end, Balaam himself dies. That prodigal son, he didn't see being on all fours eating with pigs. You know what he saw? Bright city lights. The end, the end doesn't always match the beginning. You better consider the end. Let's all stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. We, I can't, I'm not going to speak for everybody. Lord, I'll speak for me. But I want to give more of me I want to hold back less, less of my mind, less of my habits, less of myself, less of my desires and dreams, and God, I want, I want more of it to be yours. Lord, I pray that you would move in this place. Lord, I pray that your people would speak to you as you've spoken to them. With every head bowed and every eye closed as a piano player plays. Christian, let me say the altar's open. And I mean this as graciously as I can see it. Some of you are playing games. They won't end well. You understand, God plays chess. He's a really good chess player. He's going to win. You never play chess with God and win. He wins. And you're going to be a, an example to people in one of two ways. You, you get to be Peter later on in Acts 5. Or you get to be Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5 in the beginning of the chapter. You choose that. You're going to be an example one way or another. Choose the right way. You know what that means? Lord, how about you square up your account with God? Quit playing games. And quit playing a charade. It doesn't matter what the preacher thinks about you. What does God know about you? The end, I'm a nobody. I'm a sinner like you. I have no nothing in this that, except for I want to help you. You're going to stand in front of your Savior someday. You know what you're going to want to hear? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
What are you holding back? Now, I've spent the majority of this message talking to you saved people, but if there's someone here that doesn't know what it means to be born again, what it means to be saved, would you be man enough and woman enough to be open-minded for a moment and consider what God did in sending his son Jesus Christ to this earth? Born in a stable. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. Born in a stable. Ridiculed, falsely accused, betrayed by his close friends, savagely beaten like a criminal. They couldn't find evidence against him, so they had to get false accusers, and they had false accusations, and even a lie. Big kangaroo court situation. And he kept his mouth shut the whole time. He could have vindicated himself. He's quiet. Why? For you. And he shed his blood. And they nailed his hands and they nailed his feet. He could have called legions of angels and wiped everyone out. You know what he says? Instead, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now listen to me. Listen carefully. If you're here and you're not sure about whether or not you're saved, you're not sure that you've ever been born again. The Bible says there's coming a day in which God will judge the secrets of men by that man, Jesus Christ. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And every man was judged according to his works. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You say, preacher, you're one of those old-fashioned brimstone. Call me whatever you want. I just, I'm just going to be intellectually honest and not choose what I want and throw away what I don't. Either you believe that book or you don't. And if you believe it, you know what it says? It says, the Lord is not willing that any should perish. He wants you to know him. He wants you to live an eternal life and to find abundant life and fellowship with Jesus Christ. He wants that for you. We could go around the room and this person used to be addicted to this and Jesus saved him and this person was rock bottom over here and, Jesus, and here's this kid that was raised in church and you know they lived what looks like a really good life and yet they still needed a savior as well. C can I just say it like this? It doesn't matter. We're all sinners. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask this question. If you died right now, no time, that's it, you're dead. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. There's an appointment, whether you realize it or not, that you have with God. He created you, and you're accountable to Him as the Creator. You know, I can do whatever I want. Yes, you can, but not without judgment. You can't judge me. You're right. I can't. I wouldn't even try. You know why? Because I'm a sinner like you are. I have no leg to stand on in judging you. I, I don't deserve heaven. You know why I'm going? Because you're a pastor? Absolutely not. A lot of pastors are going straight to hell. You know why I'm, I know some of you are like, well, that's real direct. It is direct because it's true. You know why I'm going to heaven? Because when I was 12 years old, I knelt down at an altar and I realized I was a sinner I deserved hell, and I said, but you love me enough to die for me, and I put my faith in what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross, and I was born again, just like that. If you're here and you don't know that assurance, can I encourage you? Don't just leave this place. Please reach out. Find me. I'll be here. I love to open up a Bible. There are people that can tell you right now, 10 minutes of looking in the Bible and seeing what God says about how to be saved change their life forever. Don't miss out. Consider the end. Now, you may not think this, Christian, but I think we're going to get to heaven, and I think we are going to meet Ananias and Sapphira. You know what they would say? Hope you didn't do what we did. Well, you guys are here. Yeah, we're here. Got little to show for it, though. I, I, I wish I hadn't held back. I wish.
wish I hadn't played games with God. I wish I'd been willing to pay. One day you take the final breath and the end comes. And I'm telling you, I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, I do. That doesn't start then. It starts now. You understand? Thank you for being here today. Longer service. uh, Having the... uh, Great music today, good music, more, more music. I'll take more any day I can get. Uh, baby dedication, real blessing. Congratulate Steon and Megan, if you would. We're going to have a word of prayer. And uh, for those who would like to stay for lunch, we're going to make our way downstairs here. Remember, 